0: Hey, everybody. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Rising Tide Leadership Podcast. We have a great show in store for you today, so whether you are listening to this podcast or you are watching us on YouTube, we encourage you to download the show notes and follow along if you can. My name is Amber Jordan, and I'm here with Dr. Michael David Morales, a.k.a. Mo. Mo, how's it going today?
1: Hey, what's going on, Amber? Doing well. Uh, I'm excited, again, to hear your story. Let's do it.
0: Well, I I am really excited to share with you and with everybody that I have successfully reached another milestone in my life. Oh. I have managed to produce a teenager, a teenage daughter with a driver's license. <laughs> And for the life of me, I can't figure out how I did it (laughs) because it was the most traumatic experience for both of us. I mean, I I was excited. I'm not that kind of parent that was like afraid of the process. I thought, oh, yeah, you got to get your license. This is going to be so great. This is a really significant moment in your life. I'm going to have you drive everywhere. But man, we get in my car. And she's in control. And it was just, it was so hard. So, you know, I just, I wore out the floor on the passenger side with my imaginary foot brake, you know, <laughs> and I'm, you know, holding on to the the handle and always oh, yeah. just like, you know, now we're going to come up here. You want to do this and you want to do that and um, start breaking <laughs> and start the And she's always like, mom. And, you know, in the beginning that felt normal. I felt like she knows nothing I need to give her the instructions. <laughs> but, you know, they go through dri- behind-the-wheel driver's training with an actual instructor. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm nervous for her. And she's like, he said I'm a really good driver. And I'm, you know, being encouraging. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And in my mind thinking, really? <laughs> like, he said you're ready? And she drove with other people, and she was great. But I noticed that even leading up to her getting her license, like, I'm so freaked out. I want to give her all the instructions all the time. And she got mm. more and more frustrated with me. And then I just had to realize, you know what? We're not going that fast. She's been doing this for almost six months. I see those red lights. I'm gonna, you know, the the tail lights of the car in front of us. And I, I'm gonna wait yeah. and see what she does. And sure enough, she sees it. She's slowing down. She's right. doing a great job. But it's just that need to. Control the situation and protect my car <laughs> and myself, and just wanting to make sure she's thinking of every possible thing. But until right. I kind of learn to let go and trust that she's learning and let her try. I didn't know what she was capable of. I had to step back to really realize that. So now she's (laughs) got her license and now I panic in a whole different way because she's off somewhere with my car and (laughs) I'm sure (laughs) it's getting dortings and things like that. But, but I, I, you know, as we're coming to our episode today, we're going to be talking about how leaders get out of the way. And I just thought, man, it, it, it's one thing when you're teaching a teenager to drive, but it's a whole nother thing when you're dealing with like your company or your livelihood or or whatever your program is that you're trying to do to really trust that what you've instilled in instilled your people is going to work. And so we're going to talk about that today. So I know you always have three things for us. So <laughs> what what is the first thing that we need to really understand and implement in order to be leaders that get out of the way?
1: Yeah. Well, kudos to you for, uh, going through that with your daughter. And I remember, uh, as soon as you started, you know, tell me ways back when she was starting to go through that process, I ran across a meme and I just thought about it right now. And it says something to the effect of my favorite part about teaching teenagers to drive is when you almost die, but you don't. And then they heavy sigh and tell you to chill out. <laughs> so I can just I can just see here t- telling you that like, all right, it's not that bad, and yeah. maybe it is, but or maybe it doesn't. But the tough part, right, is is getting out of the way. And so kudos <laughs> for doing that, for almost doing that. I mean, like you said, you're stressing out in a different way now. <clears throat> yeah. I wanted to, to start out with a quote today about empowering people because it, essentially, Amber, that that's what you did. You are empowering uh, your teenage daughter. Isn't that crazy? to do something new and fascinating and fun and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And, uh, and, and, you'll get done with, with the honeymoon phase and then you have, you know, more, more, more daughters to, to, to deal with. Right. <laughs> my, 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 poor mother had two uh, boys to deal with. And luckily for you, you don't have to worry about boys behind the wheel because, um, they are as insane as, um, <laughs> people think they are. But Peter Shepard says this, he says, empowered people aren't concerned about competing with anyone. They're busy empowering others. And I don't know about you, but that's the kind of people that I want to build as you empower, you know, your daughter in this case, or as we are talking about today, empowering people in our workplace, they're going to end up empowering others, right? Your daughter is going to be able to help the rest of your family, et cetera. And so when we're shifting to talking about what we're doing in the workplace today, are you empowering others? And again, you might only have one person that is, that is under you, uh, that looks up, up to you, um, as the supervisor or whatever, but are you empowering that person or people? And so the first point is this today. If you want to be a leader that gets out of the way, you need to first make others feel heard. <laughs> you know, what, what's funny about that is that it really doesn't matter how big or small of a company you are. For some reason, the leader ends up giving up their their, their great wisdom and uh, they, they need to make things happen and it's all about them. And of course that works for a little bit, but sooner or later, a leader is going to run out of great ideas. You're going to run out of great ideas. I'm going to run out of great ideas. And in my experience, that usually happens sooner than later. (laughs) Good leadership is about not doing everything yourself, but bringing other people alongside you. And the way you do this is you make people feel heard. How many companies out there don't give a direct line from the company to the leader, From, 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 from the employees, I'm sorry, of the company to the leader? You know, they're just sitting up in their ivory tower making really important decisions that affect the whole company, all the people. And, you know, there's a lot of people and whether there's a ton or several hundred or even just a couple, you know, that can end up having devastating effects. So make sure that you don't put your people into that position. Give them a reason to follow you and call you the leader. Give them a reason to call you their leader.
0: Well, Mo, are you saying, you know, when you say a direct line, are you saying that every employee should have direct access to their boss?
1: Wow. That, that's a great question. And you know what? Of course, Amber, I don't ever give any answers, right? I only give questions, <laughs> <laughs> but let me give a, a quick little story of one of, uh, one of my favorite uh, guys, uh, Colin Powell. When Colin Powell was a four-star general and he used to go into, uh, where his office every day, he would do this, and I read this in one of his books, he's read several book, written several books since then, but the, I mean, I think I, I read this back in the early 2000s, but he would he would park in the same place, the same parking spot every morning at, at the base where all like the soldiers were. He would do it at the same time in the morning. He would walk the same route on the sidewalk to his, to his, uh, to his desk. And the reason he did this is he wanted to be accessible to anybody. Private E Snuffy, the littlest guy or girl on the entire base, could walk up to him, a four-star general, and ask him a question. And people actually did. And I, I get pushed back on this all the time. They're like, well, isn't that, isn't that a breach of chain of command? And you got to go, you know, mow your in the army and, and and it's all about chain. Yes, it's all about chain of command. And he even said that. He's like, look, this isn't a, a reason for you to, to go rat people out and say, hey, look, I don't like the way things, are. but he said, if there's something that you need to tell me, I'm available. And if Colin Powell the most powerful person in the military at that time is accessible. Well, then all of us, we're not above that. We need to be accessible. So wherever you are in your company, I'm not saying that you have to give that direct line or give your cell phone out or whatever it is, but are you giving people access to you and your ideas? Because that will definitely Amber change the way that people do business because then it, it doesn't just help your people, but also makes you accountable for them in a real, and a new way. And so, The the way we structure input for our people is really important, meaning how do you disseminate information to your people and how do people get that information to one another and also to you? I don't care who it is, I want the best ideas and I want them to come from everybody. If I have somebody on the team, uh, it's because I believe that they have something to contribute. So I need to let them contribute. So if you have someone on your team, help them to contribute in a positive manner to what you're doing. And so let's get practical here. It might be time for you to have some kind of meeting, informal, formal, whatever, and talk stuff out. You got to hash it out. And if you don't have the trust of your people, and if you don't have trust in your people to give it to you straight, you might as well start, you might as well leave. So even if you're like, well, that's not who I am. Well, start a comment box. Let them do it anonymously. You can do a comment box, a physical comment box like we used to do in the old days, right? Or you could even set something. There's applications where you can have stuff sent to you anonymously and that could be an internal helpful tool. Where can people give you their input? And, and trust me, you got to give them the anonymous uh, uh, option because I know you're like, well, I'm an accessible person, people. Yeah, you know, no, you're, you're still the boss and people are still afraid that you can fire them. And when you have a car and a mortgage and kids and, and teenagers that just started to drive, <laughs> right? You need to put food on the table. So give your people that option. And I would just warn you, Be ready because you're gonna hear some stuff that's probably gonna sting a little bit. And well, I hope it does because I know you're not doing everything right because none of us are. So the bottom line is this. If you give your people a platform, there it is. That's the word, a platform to be heard. And more than that, if you give them a platform to be understood, then you're gonna help them take ownership of the process. They're gonna take ownership of their work. And isn't that what we all want? We want people who are loyal, not to us but to the success of the company because they believe in the company and the company's vision.
0: Well, Mo, you say take ownership of the process, which I know if, you know, if they've listened to our podcast, they have heard you talk about the process over and over. That's one of your favorite words, but what do you (laughs) mean by take ownership of the process? What process just the process of them being heard?
1: Yeah. There's a lot of processes in wherever you work in your family, but, What I'm specifically talking about today is the process of getting that information to and from your your employees. And so if you want you, if you want your people to be heard, you have to give them a reason to be a part of that process. They need to feel like you want them to be heard. They need to feel like you want them to be a part of that process. And that's, that's more difficult. That's harder to, to do than it is to say, right? It's easier said than done is what we always say. And it really is because again, what we say and what we do is, is, is are two different things. In fact, one of my mentors says this, what you do speaks so loudly, I cannot hear the words you are saying. Just <laughs> like, well, so how are you treating your people? Do they really feel like they have access to you? Do they really, do you really have that Colin Powell kind of, I, we all want to act like we are that we do things like Colin Powell, but you want to know why Colin Powell was in the position that he was because he did those kind of things. He was that kind of leader. He was a way beyond leader. And you know, a lot of us, we may not beat Colin Powell, but we can do the things that he did, for instance, great men and women before us so that we can be better. So invite your people into the process of giving their ideas and the process of you hearing what they have to say to make the company better.
0: Okay. So to be leaders that get out of our people's way, we have to make people feel heard. What is the second thing that we have to do?
1: The second thing is this, we need to make respect the norm. (laughs) Let's talk about something that we all want. We all want respect, right? I I think this is where a lot of leaders miss it. They do two things wrong, and one is actually worse than the other. They they don't respect others, and even more, they refuse to model respect to people who are looking to them for guidance, right, Uh, when you're in a leadership position. So whatever capacity your employees are, you need to make sure you're not that kind of person. OK, these are the people who are obtuse and and they can't see their own mistakes and they believe that they can do whatever they want and everything that they they do is right. And you're always wrong. You don't want to be that kind of leader. I know that when we work for these kind of people, it, it gets annoying. And the question is, do you know those kind of people at your work?
0: Yeah. Or, or the question might be, are you that kind of person at your work?
1: And if you don't, if you don't know, it could be you. Right. And so when when people that, that work for you report to you, if they're afraid of getting fired just because, you know, they need to follow commands and that's about it, that's not a great place to be. That's not going to get you their respect for sure. And of course that's going to create animosity within the team And it's going to cause people to compete, right? The first thing that that I said with that quote is we want people that aren't competing against each other, but, but competing with one another as a team, you never want your people to be in survival mode. I I love that, that, that term. I I got that from one of my mentors and, and a lot of people feel like they're in survival mode at work. And like most of us have heard from somebody somewhere in, in our life, you have to give respect to get respect. And sometimes that's difficult, right? And so my advice for this would be to start giving people respect that they deserve. Everybody's got something good uh, in in, in their lives, right? So, so try to respect people for what they do well, even if sometimes they don't seem like they do, right? (laughs) Give them a chance, help them to be people who are respectable and they will be.
0: So how do you do that? How do you show somebody respect?
1: You get to know your people. You get to know the people on your team right? I mean, you, the people that you hang out with, you, you obviously respect them. I'm talking about you hang out with them, like outside of work, family, friends, whatever you're, you're going on a, on a ski trip up to, up up to the snow, or you're going out to the river, you're going to the beach, whatever you're doing, right? You respect these people. You want to be, be around them. Well, why, why can't we do the same thing at work? Why can't we get to know people? You don't have to be best besties. You don't have to be best friends with people at work, but you do have to learn about them so that you can say, wow, I really do like this person. Other people like them. I need to find a reason as well so that I can respect them as well.
0: Well, how do you get started with that? I mean, what, you know, if maybe you're in a situation where you think like, man, I have no relationship with my people and I want to build it, but I'm not going to invite them out tomorrow. Where can we start? (laughs) What are some practical things we can do?
1: You start by doing this, you model respect yourself, right? And and that's what we talked about at the beginning of this point. When you model respect uh, for others to watch, they're going to begin to show you respect. In fact, when you go into the office this week, here's something practical. I want you to try a couple of things that are, are going to seem pretty simple because they are, but that doesn't mean they're going to be easy. In fact, they're probably gonna be difficult for some of our listeners and they're going to be difficult, difficult for those of you who have never done it before. And the first is that you always want to make eye contact with people. <laughs> when you talk to somebody, look at them. I know that seems simple, but think about when you talk to somebody at work this week, are you looking them in the eye? That is a, that is a telltale uh, sign of respect. Try not to fidget or shift, but give them the respect that they're looking for with that eye to eye contact. This is a way to communicate in a way that says, I am listening to you. You are important. And the second is this smile. (laughs) We have a lot of people out there that don't like, like to smile. Right. In fact, uh, one of my mentors uh, said to me one, one time that, you know, if, if, if you if you smile you can kind of get away with anything. In fact, he would say, uh, I mean we would talk and he would just be berating me for all the things that I was doing wrong cuz that's kind of mentoring and coaching that I like. Uh and and he said and I said, "Man, I, I just I feel like you're beating me up but you're smiling." He said, "Mo, you can say anything if you've got a smile on your face." <laughs> and believe me, it's true. When I have to commit uh when I have to communicate something difficult to somebody, I always say, you know the same, I always say it with a smile on my face, which is actually Uh, Sometimes it gets more annoying, right? (laughs) And it always ends with a follow-up question to whoever I'm talking to with some of the effect of, you know, um, Mo, do you really like torturing me? And, you know, I I really can't answer that question um, if I like torturing people or not.
0: I, I can answer that question. The answer is yes. And yes, he does really like it. No, but I think I think the reason that it might be somewhat enjoyable for you is because it forces people to think about what they're doing and why mm. they're doing it. And so even when you say things like make eye contact and yes. say things with a smile, those seem so simple. And at the same time, I think they're. They're one of those things that there's actions that people can choose to take, but maybe still not in sincerity. You can be looking at somebody and nodding and not thinking about their saying, or you could be smiling, but it's not genuine. So what I I know, I know you well enough to know you're not saying just fake these actions. So what needs to change in the minds of leaders to where their smile and their eye contact are sincere and really communicate respect?
1: Yeah. There, there's a great book by a guy, uh, Dr. Schwartz, uh, David Schwartz. And um, he talks about one thing that you need in your life is you need to learn how to smile. And, and and it's in a book called The Magic of Thinking Big. And if you've never read that book, you have got to pick it up today. But he says that if you smile, it changes your whole persona. It really does when you greet people with a smile, when you look at people, and I mean, we're, we live in California, you know, some of our listeners are outside of California, but sometimes it's not the friendliest place, right? I mean, uh, my, my, a lot of my family you know, is, is down South and you're, you're waving to strangers you don't know out, 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 outside the window of your car, right? <laughs> but here, you know, sometimes, it's, so I just smile. You know, I was in LA the other day for a meeting and I I was walking down the street and I just smiled at people. Did everybody smile back? No, but a couple people did. You know, it made me feel better. And and sometimes people smile back and I'm like, if I can help other people feel better, that's good enough for me.
0: Yeah. Okay. So (laughs) the first thing we need to do is we need to make others feel heard. The second thing we need to do is make respect the norm. So what is the third and final thing for today?
1: The third and final point is this, make delegation a standard practice. And Amber, you learned this in your story, right? You had to delegate (laughs) that responsibility. Every great leader, so you're on on your way to greatness because every great leader needs to learn how to delegate and and they got to do it properly, right? One of the most common reasons for leaders not to give away authority in any capacity is that they're afraid to lose control. They figure that if they do give something to somebody else, maybe it's not going to get done right. And the problem is eventually that's going to lead to you burning out as a leader and it's going to leave you frustrated. It's going to leave your people frustrated and unhappy and there's going to be a lack of leadership and you don't want to get to this point. But Amber, unfortunately, a lot of people do.
0: We do. And the the ironic thing is that we don't want to let go of control because we want to make sure it's done right. And inevitably there's somebody on our team or in the crowd thinking, I could make this process so much better or much yep. more simple. I like I've already learned how to do this. If they would just call on me or to, you know, ask my opinion. And so it's, it's, it's almost settling in a way for our version of right, um, kind of good instead of great.
1: Yeah. And Amber, the goal here that we're talking about is be the kind of leader who can delegate tasks to others without letting stuff spin out of control. And you know, sometimes these mistakes are going to creep into the process and you know, all of this is doable, you know, because the simple fix is, is part of the, part of the process. You need to let people help fix their little piece of, of their world that they know, like you said, that they can do it. And they're thinking, if the boss just got out of my way, I would fix this and we would be on to the next thing. But now, well, we're just going to wait now. we're We're just going to wait till this person figures it out. And so whatever it is, I mean, what are your people good at? I mean, a lot of people are good at, at think about practical things, spreadsheets, <laughs> internet stuff, whatever it is, give them the responsibility and let them get stuff done in their area. Not necessarily that they have to do it themselves, but let them create their own sub team. And you may even be on that team and taking orders from somebody else. I know I do that. Amber, you know, at rising tide, you're giving me more, more things to do than, than the other way around. You're just like, Mo, have you done this? Have you done this? Have you done this? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I'm such a slacker. Right? So, I mean, what does it take to make the entire team successful? Once you find people with a specific skill set to do whatever tasks are, get out of their way and let them do it. Don't be a micromanager. Don't get into their business. Let them do what needs to be done and allow people to do. They're going to get it wrong sometimes. They're not going to get it right every time. But when you delegate, you give both the freedom and empowerment to your employees. And when they see that you trust them to get the job done, they're going to take the pressure onto themselves in a good way. Nobody wants to be treated like a little kid, right? (laughs) Even teenagers, right? When we teach them, hey, just get out of my way. Let me do it. And you're like, at some point you have to, right? Because you're not going to be in there with with your imaginary break all the time. Same thing. At work, you need to get your foot off the imaginary break with your people. Wow. How's that one, right? (laughs) Because they have things that they are good at that you are not good at. And especially when you have people who know what they're doing. I mean, if you were good at everything in your job, you wouldn't need everybody else right? It would just be you. But unfortunately, you can't do well. Actually, fortunately, you can't do it. You need a team and you need to give people the common courtesy and the respect that they can get the job done. And you have to believe in your people to do that. And when you do that, they're going to start believing in you to get your job done. Remember, when we delegate, employees get the sense that they're being trusted and then they feel encouraged. And when we feel encouraged, we naturally want to do what? Encourage others. We want it. We want to give We want to smile. We want want to give that other stuff to to, to people. This is going to lead your people to contribute more to one another and as a team. And they're going to do it where it's needed without you having to tell them to do it. And Amber, that's when your team is going to start seeing leaps and bounds of growth.
0: Yeah, as soon as you figure out how to get out of the way then you'll notice their sense of ownership just increases mm-hmm. exponentially. And that's ultimately what you wanted in the first place, really. Right. So well, we're almost at the end of this episode. So before we close it out, do you have any final thoughts for us today?
1: Just one small one. If you want to be successful in everything that you do, you have to embrace these three pieces of the puzzle. They're not the only pieces, right? We never give the, these are the three. These are, these are some of the three. It doesn't matter if you're a natural leader or a learned leader. What matters is that you empower people to do what they do well for your team and get out of the way. So what are the things that you can do this week in the office to empower others? What are the areas in your life that you need to work on yourself so that you can delegate properly to others and let them feel empowered in the things that they do? Because that's your task for this week. And if you take these steps and get out of the way your people, they're gonna take you for a great ride and your team is gonna be successful.
0: Well, that sounds great. Well, that brings us to the end of this episode. Thank you, everybody, for joining us once again. And we look forward to seeing you next time. Thank you for listening to the Rising Tide Leadership Podcast. Highlights and resource links are available for you in the show notes. We hope that you will join us next week as we continue on the leadership journey. Don't forget to like and subscribe so you don't miss out and share with others so they don't miss out. See you next week.